Hi, I'm Alana Gallo. I'm a teacher, a mom to four, and the founder of Play, Learn, Thrive. Join me as I chat with real parents and experts as we explore all things play and child development. It's time to take the focus away from you and put the responsibility of playtime back into your kiddos' hands. So if you're tired of planning, leading, and facilitating play sessions, you've found the right place. Each week, we'll explore the importance of play and how it supports child development, along with simple ways to incorporate play in a purposeful way, so you can raise confident, self-motivated kids who enjoy playing independently. Hey guys, it's Alana here from Play, Learn, Thrive. Today on this episode, I have Jeff Harry, who considers himself the play whisperer. He's going to give you a little bit of background about his his mission and his vibe. Go ahead, Jeff. Sweet. So yes, I'm Jeff Harry. One rediscovery or play where I combine positive psychology and play uh, to basically help people rediscover who they are, as well as I also create a lot of psychologically safe workspaces using play and positive psychology. But I'll say this because actually this probably gives more benefit for the people that are listening today. So Quick version of my Batman origin story. I saw the movie Big when I was a kid. And as soon as I saw the movie Big and Tom Hanks danced on the piano and then, and then was got to play with toys for a living, I started writing toy companies in third grade. And I did not stop until I got into the toy industry 15 years later. And then I don't know if you've ever gotten exactly what you've always wanted and then been so disappointed when you get there. But that's exactly what happened. No toys, no play, no high fives, just adults sitting in cubicles. And I'm like, what is this? This is horrible. You know, and then I left the, the toy industry, had my like quarter life crisis at the time, came to the Bay Area um, and bumped into a job on Craigslist, paying $150 a week to teach kids engineering with Lego. But they were playing for a living. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make this happen. And there were only seven nerds there at the time. And I doubled down and I was like, I'm going to make this a thing. And we turned it into the largest Lego-inspired STEM organization in the U.S. But we did it all by playing. Like, we had no idea what we were doing. We picked cities we thought were fun. We picked people we thought were fun. And we just experimented all the time. And then eventually we got the attention of Silicon Valley because we're in the Bay Area. And they were like, do you do team building events? And we're like, of course we do. No, we didn't. But we just said yes to everything. And then we ended up you know, basically doing uh, team building and special events for the top tech companies in the world for the next decade. But it was all by simply playing. And part of the reason why I, I tell this story, especially on this podcast, is because I think a lot of times... We think, you know, our kids pursuing their joy or their play is not functional. And in, in my reality, that's all I've pursued in my whole life. And I've been able to create that into a career. Which is amazing. I love that. And I love, so Lego is like one of my all-time favorite toys for kids because it is so open-ended. I love the company and their mission and just everything that they do. And then obviously their product is just incredible. Um, And because it's so open-ended and there's just, you know, so many ways kids can play and it's, it is a STEM activity, like the spatial awareness and the building and all of that. So it's amazing. Like my son is obsessed with Legos. He actually just got, um, into, he's into the techniques, the Lego tech techniques or whatever. Oh, okay. Remind me, I got a bunch of things that I need to send him because, and I have my Lego bow tie. Die. He just went, he goes to the Lego store is like, 
for fun with my husband because my husband's also obsessed and and he has like one of those little you know points right. membership. I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. Um, and they go and they look around for like two hours and then they come home with a Lego. And this was the one he came home with, it was like a big Jeep, like a Technic Jeep, and it's for like nine and up. Mm-hmm. He's not even six; he'll be six in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And he was following the directions and like putting it wow. together. And I was like, damn. Like that's good. And like the concentration and like yeah. following the steps and, and the, the fine motor skills and, and everything. I was so impressed, but so that's, I love Lego. So that's such a cool thing that you were involved with them just cause I love them. That's awesome. And, and yeah, at one point we even toured around with Lego to all these convention centers for like four or five years. But the thing that I've, and I never knew that was possible, right? When you, I think a lot of times, when we talk about play, right, I define play as any joyful act where you forget about time, where there is no purpose, there is no result. You don't have anxiety about the future. You don't have regrets about the past. You are fully in the moment. You are fully in flow. And you see that with kids all the time. They're fully engrossed to the point that they forget to eat, right? They forget to sleep. They're just and like they don't fully answer. there. It's like selective hearing, right. but it's really because they're full of time. <laughs> exactly. But like, I think that's something a lot of times that us adults lose 100%. is we forget that the ability to be in the moment and I also, as I mentioned to you earlier, talk about how play is the opposite of perfection. Mm-hmm. Perfection is rooted in ego and shame and, and scared, always trying to be right, right? And always scared of failing, right? Like, oh, like getting away from failure. While play is all about curiosity, awe, wonder, embracing failure. And I, I think of a former colleague of mine who worked on the Mars rover and her main job was to fail every day. Her job was to have the Mars rover fail in 25,000 different ways and figure out how to fix it so that when they sent it to Mars, which is 150 million miles away, they would know quickly what the problem was. And I think a lot of times us adults don't embrace that feeling of failure when that's where all the play and the fun is. Yeah. So it's so funny that you say that. So we're talking about adults right now. So I'm just going to share this story that I was telling you about before. So this past weekend was Memorial Day weekend. And um, we got together with my family for the first time in in a while, pandemic, you know, things going on. Um, So we were all together. And of course, it was raining. We're in the East Coast, on the East Coast. And it was like 50 degrees and raining Memorial Day weekend, like the whole weekend. Yay. And so it's funny because... so my kids play outside in all weather. Like that's part of what I do is like, I purposely, I'm like, Oh, it's pouring, go outside and play, like go stomp in puddles, go cover yourself in mud. Whatever. And, and that's really important to me. Um, and you know, as much as I make that important to them and I kind of make them do that, I don't necessarily always follow suit. Like I'm not out there necessarily covered in mud and, and stomping in puddles. I'm kind of sitting underneath a thing, drinking a glass of wine while they're doing that. Um, but so this weekend it was raining. We were all together with my family and I have, you know, a lot of cousins and siblings and we were all there and my kids went outside and they were the only people outside. They were running around in circles in the backyard. They were splashing in puddles. And I was like, whatever, I don't have a change of clothes. So good luck with that. You're going to be cold. Like you're going to have to go home in your underwear, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't remember who went out there first, but it was like maybe my brother or my cousin. And, you know, they're all in their 20s, like older 20s, married. You know, there was a couple of younger cousins there um, that were maybe in their teens. And all of a sudden, all these other 
people start to go outside in the rain and they set up this game of wiffle ball and they start playing wiffle ball in the rain. And, and then all of us, like not all of us, but a few of us who were still inside because we, we didn't want to be outside in the cold 50 degree weather. We're watching them from the, from the, um, you know, from the inside of the house with the, with the door open, but watching them and we're cheering them on and we're, you know, everyone's drink, everyone's got a drink and everyone's just like, you know, go. Yeah. And then, you know, someone slips in the mud and like knocks, takes someone else out and we're, you know, and we're, everyone's just like getting so into it and it's raining and everyone's muddy and wet. And I literally, I remember stopping and I was like, wow, like, first of all, my kids basically just started this because they were the ones that kind of took the initiative to go outside. Awesome. And then just the fact that I was just like, I love my family. Like, this is amazing that people just jumped in and they went out and and it wasn't even like, at first it was like they were just outside kind of chasing my kids around and playing with them. But then it kind of ended up turning into this whole like they organized a game, which, you know, very often happens with kids. They kind of just naturally start to, you know, make rules or do whatever. And they started playing wiffle ball. And like my son was the ball boy and he was just like running to get the ball. And it was just, it was just so fun to witness like all these grown people. I was like, you guys are crazy. But then I started thinking and I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Like they're adults and they're kind of out there and, and, I remember um, my cousin's cousin. So, or my cousin, yeah, my cousin's cousin. I don't know. So whatever they are to me, uh, who knows, whatever. One of the kids that was there, he was having so much fun and his mom had to like go drop his sister somewhere else. And he like begged to stay so that he could keep playing. And he's like a teenager. Like most teenagers sitting in front of a computer or a video game, or not outside in the rain playing wiffle ball. And I just thought that was such a, and the way she said it, it was like, that was obviously out of his norm because she was shocked that he wanted to, that even that he was outside, but that he wanted to stay. And it was just so amazing to see like all these people, different age groups. I mean, I'm talking my two-year-old was out there and my 20, how old's my brother? 29, 28, whatever. And, you know, everybody was playing together and they, you know, it was like, literally everyone was playing together. My two-year-old, my, you know, 15-year-old cousin's cousin, my 28-year-old brother, my, you know, 23-year-old sister, like her friend. And it was just, everybody was laughing and cheering. And it was just, it was just awesome. I like left being like, wow, my family is freaking awesome, you know? So anyways, all that to say, like we were talking about play, like the importance of play for adults. And I feel like that just kind of solidified that, I guess. I, I feel like that plus like getting down towards to talking about the importance of play for older kids who I feel like a lot of the times parents think, oh, they don't need to play or, oh, they're playing organized sports or they're playing video games and like, oh, that's play. And it's really not. And I feel like that's something that I would love to get your thoughts on because it's a little bit more of the age group that you've worked with. Yeah. So what's interesting, first off, amazing story. And and let's break down why that was so amazing, because that is a magical moment. That is a moment that people are going to reference a decade from now or 20 years from now or every time your family gets together. And who started it? Your kids giving permission, your permission to play because they went out there. And this is another thing I talk about, right? Plays the opposite of perfection, which is rooted in shame. 
What is play? It's shameless, dude. It's the first people on the dance floor at the wedding. That's what your kids role play. They went out there. They got dirty. Other people looked probably to you to be like, oh, your kids are getting dirty. Are you okay with that? And you're like, whatever, drinking. I'm just enjoying this right now. And they're like, whoa, well, if she's okay with her, their kids getting dirty. I'm a, I'm in my 20s or I'm a teenager and why should I care? So then they go out there with bravery and then they realize like, oh my gosh, how come I haven't done this since I was six or seven years old? That's the epiphany that that teenager had. It's just like, I haven't had this much fun where I'm not judging myself, where there's not ego, where I'm not really trying to win. I'm just trying to like, enjoy what is going on here. And you don't have that usually when you're doing sports where it's just like, did you win or lose? Because like sports is all about results, right? Or you play a video game and it's very isolated and it's just you, right? You can build some memories, but not as many memories as like you sliding into second into mud and knocking over your 23 year old cousin. Like you're just never going to forget that. You're always going to tell that story. And that's the magic that play can happen at any time if we're willing to get out of the zone of perfection and out of the zone of like, is that the right thing to do? Is it not the right? Who cares? Who cares? Like if pandemic taught you anything, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. And anyone that's giving you advice, you just want to be up to them and you're like, oh, were you here during the last pandemic? Because if you weren't, you need to just shut up because none of us know we're all making it up as we go along. So let's stop shutting on ourselves and be like, you should do that. You should do that. And instead, just embrace the fact that we don't know what we're doing. So why don't we just enjoy these play moments? Because if you think about it at the end of the year and heck, at the end of your life, you don't think of your accomplishments. You don't think of your accolades. You think of your play, fun, joy moments. And that's the moment that just happened. That's why it's so magical. So why are we not spending more time creating more of those? 100%. And what I also loved was they didn't obviously have any like bases or anything. So one base was like a rock. Right. A big log. So when like my sister got like knocked out, she like landed on the log and it was like this disaster, but it was, everybody was, you know, she was okay, thankfully, but, um, you know, everybody was laughing. It was just like, they improvised. It didn't have to be perfect. There wasn't these perfect little white bases, you know, and they made it um, and there was, you know, it was like, somebody was like helping my two-year-old with the wiffle bat and, and, you know, she was like thinking it was like the funniest thing. Um, you know, people were out there like with a beer in hand, like trying to hit the wiffle ball and like, you know, it was, it was really funny <laughs> and, and it, it was, it was and a disaster, but it was fun. I think we forget about that, especially as we, you know, have like kids as they go into like you know, eight, nine, 10, and then even into their tweens, right? And we put them in sports or we put them in like mathlete stuff or chess club or whatever the thing that we're putting them into, right? First, I really hope in the post-pandemic world, we learn not to over over uh, schedule our kids, right? Yeah. And we just learned that it was it was amazing that you could just go bike ride with your kids and that was magical and that is enough. They don't need, you don't need to like, and, and then the second thing that we cannot 
live vicariously through our kids in their sports? Like, can we stop trying to make all of them professionals? Right. Seriously. Like it doesn't really, you don't really. Number one, no, it's not happening. It's not going to happen. It's not, first of all, it's like, first of all, it's just for the NBA alone. Only 4,900 NBA players have ever played in the NBA ever, ever in the entire, you know, existence of the NBA. So can we stop focusing on them being the best and focus on instead of asking them what's the score at the end of the game, yeah, did you ask them like, what did you enjoy? Yeah. What did you enjoy? Not even learn. What did you enjoy? Like, yeah. do you enjoy doing this? Oh, we I- don't enjoy it. Let's stop. We yeah. don't have to go. I mean, I don't wake up at eight a.m. and drive two hours for traveling soccer if you don't want to do it anymore. Exactly. Like, what are we doing? Why are we trying to keep up with the Joneses? The Joneses are boring and and depressed. Why are we trying to keep up with them? Because then that's what our teenagers see. And then they try to emulate that too. They pick up on us trying to be perfect. And that's why they have so much anxiety and depression. Like I just, I I just spoke um, to someone that used to be part of one of like gun high school. It's one of the top high schools in, I guess, the nation. It's out of San Jose. It's right next to Stanford. It's also right next to, you know, Electronic Arts and Facebook and all of the other, you know, organ- all the other tech companies there. Some of the highest um, depression rates, high suicide rates, because everyone is trying to be perfect. Everyone feels like they need to get into Stanford or UC Berkeley. And if they don't, they are a failure. So many, so many problems. And they're like, everyone's affluent. Everyone has so much and they all feel like they don't have enough. And that's all rooted in perfection. And the more you as an, as an adult, the more you as a parent can show your kids that you aren't perfect the such a more powerful ex- example. And I give the example of my friend Marina who just picked up uh, roller skating in her forties and is now doing it down bowls and she's injuring herself and she just keeps doing it. But she doesn't care about like what, how people judge her because her kids are just so inspired by her because she's doing something that scares her that she knows she's not good at, but she loves to do it. And that one of the biggest lessons yeah. you can teach your kids to allow them to be more of themselves and stop trying to be so perfect. I was going to say, be, right. to be who they are and just embrace who they are. And that's so true. Like what you said about, um, of course, I just lost my train of thought, mom brain, um, about, uh, oh my God. Oh, about kids who have so much, who feel like they have nothing. And it's really sad because I live in a pretty affluent area as well and privileged to do so, obviously. And um, it's really unfortunate because you see these kids who are just like, you know, did I get the, did I get an A or I have an 89? Like what, what can I, and I'm like, did you, did you, do you care that you, that you learned something? Like, did you have, what was your experience and kind of trying to, and that's actually part of one of the reasons why I started this brand and this company, because I felt like so many kids in their teens, which is the population that I was teaching, didn't mm-hmm. care at all about learning and exploring and they they had no curiosity. They just wanted to get the grade and was it A or B? And I'm like, uh, does it matter? Like, let's talk about it. Let's have the discussion. And, and it was just like, everything had to be, well, what's the right answer? You know, with, with the writing, they'd be like, 
well, is this right? And I'm like, well, there's, there's really not a right or a wrong. I mean, you know, you're exploring a theme or something like that. And they'd be like, okay, but is it right? And I'm like, or is it an A? And I'm like, okay, like, you know, where is this coming from? And it's really sad because they really just have this idea that everything has to be a certain way and they're not true to who they are or what they want. Like they'll take all these high level classes, but half of them are things that they're not even interested in. And I'm like, why are you wasting your time taking AP chemistry and being miserable when all you want to do is take AP art? Like why, why are you doing that to yourself? And it's a lot of it's because the parents, you know, they're like wanting their kids to you know, be at the top of everything or they're, like you said, like wanting to live vicariously and instead of just really embracing who their kid is and letting them to lean into or allowing them to lean into that. And I I just feel like that's such an interesting thing that you also noticed because I, I feel like not everybody sees it that way. Right. I mean, and also comparison is the thief of joy, right? And why does, why do those kids want that A, right? Because they want love, because they want they want a certain level of acceptance, and they feel if they don't get that, then they're out of the loop, then they're not keeping up with their family, and they're watching their parents keeping up with the Joneses, and they're like, well, I'm just going to model the same thing. I think the other thing that we forget, and, and this is why we need to have such empathy for each other, right, um, is we have to understand where this comes from. So um, when people ask me, why do adults not play or why do teenagers not play as much? Right. And I always answer this 148,000 no's. By the time you reach the age of 18, you've heard the word no approximately 148,000 times, according to certain studies. And you've only heard the word yes Wow. Eight to 10,000 times. And that depends on who raised you. So you might have heard the word yes less than that. Yeah. Then you go to school where you're asked to raise your hand and ask for permission all the time. Raise your hand, sit still, and, don't do this, don't don't right, talk. All this don't. Stuff. And then you have your adult, and then you have adults that are constantly shooting on you. You should do this. You should do that. You should become a doctor. You should become a lawyer. And you're like, why are you telling this? I'm six years old. Why are you giving me advice at six? But they're like already putting pressure on you to figure out and ask you even the question, what's your dream job as if your job defines you. And then you get to your teenage years. As if yeah. Like as if your life is just to like yeah. get a job. Like that's, and wouldn't you wish that you could just live yeah, life without a job and yeah, just do all the things you love without having to worry about making money right, or anything like that? Just, Hello, that's just the dream. Crazy, right? You know, I even I even posted recently this cartoon where this car person asks, like, "What's your dream job?" And then the person responded, and they were like, "I don't dream of labor." And he's like, "Oh my gosh!" And he's like, well, "Where yeah. are you going?" And he's like, "I got to rethink my whole life. I, 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 I've only dreamed of labor. That's all I've dreamed of." Like. I've dreamed my self-worth is attached to my productivity. That's why so many people had like, you know, panic attacks during the pandemic is because their self-worth was based off of producing more and now they couldn't produce anything, right? So then anyway, then you get to your teenage years and then all social media, we get more information in a day than most people got in the 1950s in an entire year. And most of that social media is telling you you're not enough. 
don't don't buy more stuff from Amazon, binge watch Netflix. But one thing you should keep playing video games. But one thing you shouldn't do is play. Don't be your weird, nerdy, strange self. Don't show up like that because then you're going to be told that you're strange and you don't want to be strange. You want to be right. You want to be perfect. So there's all this propaganda that we're dealing with that it's such a rebellious act to play. It's such a revolutionary act that when your kids went out to to dance and party in the mud, others were like, I can't, I can't even remember the last time I did that. And then they had to wait a certain point because they were like, I don't know if I want to go out there, but they're having so much fun. Okay, I got to go out there because like, all of the every society is telling you not to go play in the mud and you need to l- drop all that and just dive in some mud. You need to say F society. Yeah, <laughs> just go exactly. do your thing. Yeah. It's, it's so true. It's so true. And like, I feel like I, part of what I love about, and it's not the same as play, but part, I guess part of what I love about what I'm doing now is just being able to have these really interesting conversations and like, having the flexibility that I have now is just, it's, it's a game changer. And I feel like I've learned so much about my likes or my dislikes, my likes, my personality, the things that make, you know, that really bring me joy through watching my kids and and watching them kind of process through play and, and just seeing their conversations and seeing how they, you know, the things that they're interested in and just like how their face lights up. Like when my son, like, you know, finished the Lego or he, and he was just so proud and it was like this huge deal, you know, and just kind of witnessing that. And I feel like the opportunities for kids to play are being taken away. And so then they're not having these, as many of these moments where they're feeling like that victory or that just like that joy that they're, you know, like when you're frolicking in a puddle, you know, it's just, there's no, there's nothing else going on. You're just, or, you know, you're laying in the grass and watching the clouds and, and you're just daydreaming and, and, and imagining and you're, you know, it's like that's being taken away from our kids and they're just not having bottom line. Like, I feel like they're just, they're not having as joyful of a of a childhood and then we're like wait why are they so anxious why are they so stressed why are they so this and I'm like hello because all we do is want them to like perform and complete work and you know everything is about getting them to from start to finish instead of just letting them be in the moment and enjoying that and not necessarily expecting to know the outcome or like where the path leads. Like that's, you know, but that's risky for people. Well, that's, that's funny because it's like, everything's about results. Right. Right. And, and, and what parents a lot of times are trying to address is uncertainty. And again, like they're trying to control a lot of things. And it's why your kids have so much anxiety because you have a lot of anxiety. Right. Like, because you're trying to control everything. So then of course they're trying to control everything. Right. And, and again, if we did not learn anything from this pandemic, nobody's in control. You had like, it's all uncertain. It's always been uncertain. You have no control and you need to start embracing that more because when you can play in that uncertainty, that's where all the magic is. That's why that was, and I keep referencing the wiffle ball game, but it was so magical, right? That's where all of the amazing, you know, on the opposite side of fear is everything you've always wanted. Right. And I can't believe I'm quoting, we bought a zoo, but Matt Damon says, and we bought a zoo. All you need is 20 seconds of insane courage, 
20 seconds of sheer bravery and everything can change. That's what happened when your kids went out, you know, to start playing in the mud, right? And that's the moment that any adult can do to inspire their kids to also do the same thing. So if your kid is currently overscheduled, over anxiety, over, then you yourself need to play more. It's not about like, let me fix my kid. Oh, let me give them more, you know, you know, antidepressants or something else. Just go play with them. Let's just try that out. Why don't you explore how to relax? Because they're constantly looking for how you model, right? Kids don't listen to words. They never listen to words. They look at actions, dude. They look at actions and they model actions. And even then, no, <laughs> no they, I would say, and even then they sometimes don't well, listen. They still don't listen. Um, <laughs> you know, they're like, screw you. Um, but it's funny because, um, so my husband's probably going to kill me, but he's, um, he doesn't, I don't think he listens to my podcast. So whatever. Um, so he, like I always, so I love to, I love the water. Like I love swimming. I love like the beach, whatever. And he's like not into it. And like part of the reason I think that he's not into it is because he's not like a super strong swimmer. I mean, he can swim and he can keep himself afloat, but it's not like he's like, you know, like, like doing like, you know, laps and all whatever about it. And so he's kind of like insecure about it, I think. And it's, it's funny because sometimes I'm like, I'm not going in the water, like whether, whatever the reason is, whether it's like the water is too cold at the pool or whatever. And I'm like, you've got to go in. So you better get the F over it because you need to go in and play with the kids and have fun and like relax and let your guard down. And he, he has on occasion and like, he has so much fun and I'm just like, see, like it's, yeah. you know, you just kind of have to get over the hump. Like if you're, if you're, if you're scared or nervous or feel like it's weird, then I feel like that's probably something you need to do because it, right. Like it means like you got to get over that so that you can actually enjoy it. What's so interesting about that, so that ties into like specifically positive psychology and flow, right? So, you know, the doctor of flow, Dr. Chikset Mihai, created this flow chart before really boring flow charts. This is actually a cool one. But in his actual flow chart, he would talk about how when you first start something, you have a lot of anxiety because, you know, you have skill set and then you have how hard of the task is, right? So when you first start your job, you have a lot of anxiety because you have low skill and the task is really hard. But then when you've been doing it for a really long time, you have a lot of skill and you have low, you have low anxiety, but then all of a sudden you become bored. So then between anxiety, between the anxiety part, right? And the boredom part is the flow channel. And that's the part you're trying to get into where you find stuff that you have a lot of skill in and then you find a challenge that is really hard and then you get into flow with that. And that's when you are actually, I think, producing it five times or 500, you're 500% more productive when you're in this flow state, right? And I think a lot of times we are so scared to try new things out because we have to go through that anxiety part first. But the more than, again, we show that we're willing to make mistakes as adults, the more we teach our kids to also feel like they're okay with making mistakes. And I think that's a, you know, I would ch a challenge I would put out to your listeners is like, how are you interpreting mistakes to your kids? How are you interpreting failure? How are you allowing them to actually fail and enjoy failure? Oh, you can't enjoy failure. Why not? 
why not like enjoy the fact that you give them credit for the fact that they took a risk, even if it didn't work itself out because the people that are thriving the most in the people that thrive the most in 2020, as well as the organizations that thrive the most were the ones willing to fail. Right. And if you think of even about people, like if you think about someone that I remember Toronto Burke was, you know, who created the me too movement, I think back, I think she created back in like 2004, 2007, talked about how, you know, she used to do all these trainings in church basements and rec centers to nobody, like to small groups. And then she became really popular recently and they brought her the Emmys and the Grammys and the Academy Awards. And she's speaking on stage one time when I saw her speak and she was just like, look, if you took all this away from me tomorrow, I'd be doing it in church basements and rec centers again, because I don't care about the accolades. I don't care about the results. I'll do this anyway. She's willing to do it even if she knew it would fail because she loves the work. She's found the love in the flow. She's found her flow. That's the magic that we can provide for our kids if we're willing to do it ourselves. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that so much. I feel like we're going to wrap up, but we probably need to have like another conversation because I, I feel like there's so much that we could talk about. Um, but I do try to keep these like in a, in a digestible little chunk for parents who like can't listen to anything for more than 20 to 30 minutes at a time. Um, so let's, we're going to, we're going to stop, but I want to have you tell everybody where they can find you. So your like your website, your, your social media, um, anything that you want to share along that line so that people can, can, um, follow you. Sure. So, uh, so let me, uh, I'll tell them my website. And then right after I say this last thing, as I just got to say this, um, so, um, Goodwill hunting, do you remember Goodwill hunting? So this is another weird thing. I'm not a big, you don't watch movies. So Jeff and I were having this conversation (laughs) prior to this podcast and we're not going to get into it, but we, we, we actually might start a YouTube channel where this is all we talk about. Like we do like a, like a show, like a, um, what is it called? Talk show. Um, but so I have a complex where I don't, I just, I don't like, um, musical theater and I don't like stand-up comedy and I'm also not really a movie person. So I do like movies, but any movie that everyone has seen, I have not seen it. So you could probably list (laughs) your top 10 movies of movies that everyone has seen. And I could say, never seen it, never seen it, never seen it. Right. So never saw it. I don't even. So this is, this is perfect because even if you haven't seen it, so, you know, in the movie, Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, they're the stars of the movie. And Matt Damon is this genius in the movie and he can have any job he wants. Like he could be a millionaire getting any job he wants. But at the end of the movie, he's working construction with Ben Affleck and Ben turns him and he's like, when are you going to take one of these high paying jobs? Because you're a genius. And Matt's like, I'm not, you know, I'm going to work construction. We're going to take our kids to play baseball at Foley field. And that's just what we're going to do. And Ben turns to him and he's like, if I see you here in 20 years, I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm literally going to kill you. And Matt's like, what, what? I owe it to myself. And he's like, no, no, you don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me because I'm going to be here in 20 years and I'm okay with that. But you, you are sitting on a winning lottery ticket and you're too scared to cash that in. And for all of your listeners, 
They are sitting on winning lottery tickets. And the thing is, is they're not cashing it in for themselves. This is not about you. This is not about you at all. It's the idea that you, once you do the thing that makes you come alive, or once you do the thing that brings you flow, or once you take that risk, you give permission for your kids to do the same thing. You give permission for all these other people to inspire. Many people that you don't even know are watching you right now. You are giving them permission when you are willing to take that huge risk and do the thing, even though it makes you look weird and strange, but do the thing that makes you come most alive. So that is the question I have for your listeners. What are you doing to do the thing that makes you come most alive? And find me on rediscoveryourplay.com and you can click on the Let's Play button where I have all these play activities and you can hop on a call with me and we can talk about how you can kick more butt in this world by playing. Love it. All right. Well, all this will be available in the show notes and you guys can follow Jeff. Make sure that you you do because you don't want to miss out, right? Woo-hoo. Hey, friend. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Play, Learn, Thrive show. I'm happy you stopped by for another week of learning with me. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. I so appreciate your feedback. I'd also love for you to join our community of over 20,000 parents on Instagram. You can find us at Play, Learn, Thrive Kids. 